welcome to another episode of Wesley Union. It's me, Sarah, your usual host. And today we are talking about Pentecost with the Reverend Dr. Latricia Scriven. How are you today? I am very well. How are you today? You know, busy, but like good. It's a good busy. You know, we're doing all things. Yes. (laughs) uh, Yeah, it's been one of those like weeks, months, years. How about that? Yes, you know, haven't stopped in quite some time. Can't stop, won't stop. (laughs) I think sometimes people think that like the semester ends for campus ministry and there's like this like really big lull like in the summer and that's just not the case. Nope, not the case. Yeah. Um, So I think I just sort of divulged that you work in campus ministry, but I know you do more than that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right, let's see. I am Latricia Scriven. Um, Laughter is my superpower. I love to do it. And it is also, I think, a spiritual gift. How about that? Um, In addition, I have three children and one husband. um, And I love them all dearly. I am um, a pastor director of FAMU Wesley Foundation and also pastor of New Life United Methodist Church, where there's always new hope for a new beginning. Yeah. So in my former life, I was a math professor. Um, Love, love, love math and calculus and all the ways that math intersects with theology. So, yeah, it's a little bit about me. Interesting. Math intersects with theology. My dad has like mentioned some things to me a couple times. He's a math professor. That's Ah! what my dad does. And so I... Like, I don't have a deep love for math. I appreciate, like, statistical analysis and data and, like, what Mm -hmm. that can tell us. Mm -hmm. But I grew up hearing about math and, like, having a dad who made, like, passwords, weird number patterns and stuff. And so, (laughs) you know, had all these, like, math joke book things. Yeah. Yes, they're the best. Like, (laughs) horny math jokes are the best. Yes. quite amusing like there were some that I didn't get when I was younger and then it's like when I got older I was like oh that's what that meant like the that's what that meant. Like, <laughs> I had I got him a shirt for Father's Day last year and it says math teachers are not mean they're above average I love it <laughs> I love it yeah so, yeah I might um, need that shirt in my life so it's on the internet I'm sure you could find it <laughs> I'll find it. <laughs> I think I got like a Facebook ad for it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, yeah. See, I would never have thought you were a math like person, but that's so cool. Like, I love learning things about. Sports. Yes, I have been told that I don't fit the normal mold of a math person or any person. Probably, <laughs> I've been told that about so many things that, like, you know, I don't quite fit inside the box. I I think that's good. You know, boxes were meant to be broken. So yeah. Well, all exciting, and yeah, you busy. I guess between FAMU and New Life, where I loved the the slogan is great. You just like slide yes. it in. <laughs> fantastic. Does, yeah. does FAMU Wesley have a slogan too? Or so we have a mission statement, and we repeat it at the end of every single meeting. And when we have board meeting, my board members say mm-hmm. it. We are impact because we go by impact. And we are inspiring, motivating, preparing, and conscientiously transforming FAMU and the community with the love and teachings of Christ. 
Oh my gosh, I love it. I love that's fantastic. So impact is our acronym. That's what the inspiring, motivating, preparing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I had seen like impact float around with y'all stuff on social media. And mm-hmm. I've never quite, I guess, figured out or seen what the connection That's cool to know. That's yes. Pretty. Yes. Like so that. we go by impact at FAMU, Wesley. And yeah. Our mission statement is in there. So we do this really cool thing where when you come and you've been with us for at least three events, even if it's Bible study, once you can recite the mission statement without any assistance, then you get your free T-shirt, sort of a rite of passage. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I think I just showed up to like some random event and Derek was like, do you want a shirt? Right. (laughs) No, no, no. You got to earn it, baby. Earn it. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that is one way to do it. It's probably more special that way. Mine was just, he was in a hallway. That's right. That's right. That's We were talking about that moment, Derek and I, at one point in the last year. And he was like, yeah, you could have taken more shirts. And I said, I'm liking one of the other shirts. And I was like, well, I didn't know you, Derek. I didn't. Like, <laughs> You're just some strange like, man offering me clothes. Like, right. Yeah, I was like, I, don't, I didn't know you. Like, this is like the third time I've seen you. Like, and I don't know if you've ever like been in meetings with Derek, probably, because y'all have like campus ministry stuff. He likes rolls in at the last minute, you know, usually. Oh, and yeah. so the first time I saw Derek, I thought he was a student because he mm-hmm. rolled in like 10 minutes after the thing started and had a backpack <laughs> and like a hoodie. And so I hadn't had like a deep conversation with him at that point. <laughs> it was just, I'd seen him a couple times when I knew who he was. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I like y'all, y'all saying that. Yeah. People like know who you are. Yes. Yes. So, to dive into the meat of things, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you're wearing red, so I mean, it's perfect already. We're talking and, about Pentecost. And I'm almost 50. My next birthday, I'll be 50. So, red, oh, wow. 50. Pentecost, I'm just saying. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the Pentecost is obviously like part of the liturgical calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, so why does the liturgical matter calendar matter like broadly? Why is it important? And then why Pentecost specifically? Why does it matter? Ooh, all right. So the liturgical calendar, I think it matters because all of life is rhythmic right? There is a rhythm to life. There is birth, there is death, there are all the things in between, um, sometimes ordinary things, ordinary time, right? And sometimes magnificent occurrences that we want to remember, anniversaries, right? Things that happen throughout our lives. And so a liturgical calendar is the calendar of the church, that reminds us of birth and of death and of ordinary things and of magnificent things that happen that we want to remember and honor in specific ways because we like tradition, we like rituals in all kinds of cultures. Pentecost! Um, Pentecost matters, at least to me, because it represents Um, this promise being fulfilled when Jesus says, listen, I'm going to go a place, but I'm going to leave you a comfort advocate, uh, right? I'm going to leave you with the spirit of truth. Um, I believe that Pentecost matters because it reminds us that we are empowered by something greater than us to do the things that we might not even imagine 
that we can do in our um, in the fullness of our humanity. Mm. Pentecost, because of the Holy Spirit, allows us to experience the fullness of our humanity and the fullness of divinity. And those things intersect in such beautiful ways. Um, so that's why I think it matters. And for so many other reasons that maybe we'll get to in this conversation. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. I love, I love when we start talking about the liturgical calendar as a rhythm. Mm-hmm. That's something that's kind of like come up a couple of times in these conversations. And I love that because I think it, we can talk about like schedules and plans and like those can feel very confining sometimes. And I say that as someone who is like a planner, like color codes, like down to the minute kind of person. But I think rhythms are much more sustainable. And if things, you know, don't quite go right, like mm-hmm. there's, you can maintain a rhythm in ways you can't maintain a plan sometimes. Yes. And that, yes. There, that leaves room for the spirit. The spirit can work mm-hmm. in rhythm. The spirit doesn't always work with our Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and it leaves room for knowing that some things come to pass right and it came to pass some things come to pass so there are rhythms that we get into that don't always feel good that we don't want to certain things like maybe death in particular ways I just lost a grandmother and the experience of death by itself without remembering life can be kind of tough, but even those rhythms of, of sadness and despair that may come upon us unexpectedly, they will also pass and give way to other emotions and moments and times that we can celebrate more um, happily, excitedly. So, yeah. Mm, absolutely. I'm sorry to hear about your grandmother, by the way. Um, Oh, you know, it's it's interesting because when I hear that, um, I get it and I am too. And Rhythm of Life, I am so excited because she was with us for 97 years. Well, I wasn't here, but she graced the earth with her presence for 97 years. And I get the benefit of her blood running through my veins. And she was incredible and amazing. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's. And one thing that's come up as well, when we've talked about like the liturgical calendar and how it connects us to this great thought of what witnesses who've gone before us and the rhythms of the church before us. And like, now like she is a part of that. And like, she is a part of that. When, when I was with her um, towards the end of life and she was not responsive, but she was not in pain. I literally held her hand and then I felt her heart and I could sense the presence of the ancestors and that great cloud mm-hmm. of witnesses um, calling, beckoning, surrounding and reminding us like Pentecost, right? And the, the rushing of the spirit that we are not here by ourselves. There is mm-hmm. a cloud that empowers and pushes us to continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. See how beautiful. I brought that back around? <laughs> I did. You know, that's that special like pastor skill, like the let me just pull it back to this real quick. <laughs> Absolutely. So and you were starting to get into this some. Um so I'd love to hear you talk about it more and expand on it. But what does Pentecost mean to you like on a personal level? Like mm-hmm. so on a personal level, I think about um 
so let me go to Acts 2, right? Um, and so the spirit rushes in. They're all together in one place with one accord. And the scripture says that um, the spirit rushes in like a violent wind and cloves of tongues as a fire sit upon them and they begin to speak in a different language. And so what comes to mind for me is... Um, Luke 6, maybe 45, somewhere around there. Don't quote me on it. But where it says, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So for Pentecost, on that day that it happened, they began to speak in a different way that they were heard by everyone. And so I think of that personally as being so filled with the grace and love of the spirit that our heart has been changed. And because our heart is changed, we speak in a different tongue. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about myself, I think about conversations that I've had. Um, I believe conversation is two way, not just about the things that I say, but how the other person receives it and hears it. And sometimes that is a matter of the heart. We can say the exact same words, right? Parents have said, it's not what you said, it's how you said. Um, We can say the exact same words, but out of a heart that has been cleansed and purified and is filled with love and compassion and grace, those words hit differently than they might if I'm coming from a heart filled with fear and wickedness and anxiety and, you know, all kinds of other things. And so for me personally, it's a reminder of the indwelling, infilling, empowering work of the spirit Mm. that invites us to include everyone. Mm. And, um, I'm tempted to keep going on that, but oh but no, yeah. go go keep going. So, <laughs> so, so in that same scripture, you know, people begin to they're like, you know, how is it that we hear in our own language? Are they drunk? What's happening, right? And then it's it's like, no, nah, no, nah. you know, this is a work of the spirit. And so, what I think about is as we live this life, sometimes we are so set on only speaking to our group. And only speaking to and including people who who look like us, seem like us, that when we decide to be more inclusive than exclusive, it feels strange. You're like, why are you, why are you speaking to me? Why can I hear you all of a sudden? Why can I understand you? But what has happened is my heart has been changed. And so the people that I once excluded or I wasn't even trying to talk to or connect with now they hear me because I'm connecting from a different place because the spirit has come in and reminded me that we are all a part of this community together not in a way that says we're one big human family and we're all exactly the same not in that way But in a way that says, no, we come from different places, different locations. We may even speak a different language. And yet it is important that we understand ourselves as one in our plurality. Mm. 
Yeah, oneness in the midst of plurality. And I think of, that's how I think of God, you know, existing in plurality, he, she, them, they, it, and yet as one. So. Yeah. So good. So good. (laughs) That, yes, so much. I'm not, I'm not even going to like try it. You said it all like, yes. So, um, So when I think, so what's coming to mind now, what's also beautiful to me about that memory of Pentecost is when these things happen and the prophet stands up, right, full of of power and speaks to the people and calls to their remembrance and to their attention what has happened in the past. Mm -hmm some of which they had nothing to do with personally, right? But their ancestors might have. And he said, look, this man came before you. He did all of these wonderful and great and mighty acts that everybody knew about. And yet you, he says you, even though he's talking historically, yet you had him murdered at the hands of other people, Um, And basically saying, you know, there's some guilt. Everything has not been innocent. This is what you did. This is what happened. And the people, by the end of the conversation, because the spirit is present, they don't say, nah, that wasn't us. They don't say, no, we didn't do any of that. They didn't say, don't blame us for everything that happened. They say, what must we do? Right. And so now they're ready to be baptized and accept an invitation into this space. And so he calls them to to um, recognize the divinity in Christ that was before them, who was. And this is a person who was despised, rejected. Right. A man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, all the things that we say and and even crucified. Pentecost reminds me. That when we remember the divinity that exists in the ones that we have marginalized and ostracized and rejected and even crucified, Mm -hmm. a beautiful transformation awaits. It's a heart transformation that awaits. So in the space between us, great and mighty things happen. Mm. yeah yeah that I don't want to like add to your texture words because they're just you're just making so much sense and I like want to give that space <laughs> to breathe and everyone to like comprehend <laughs> like that you are absolutely right and I think there are a lot of and you were like getting at it very much there are parallels between like the issues of today and all of that and what our response as Christians should be mm-hmm. to those things. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's a direct parallel mm-hmm. because the rushing in of the spirit to overtake hearts and give a new way of speaking in a new language 
suggests the scripture that comes to mind that says there is a way that seems right unto us, but the end thereof is destruction, right? Suggests that there are some ways, some things that we think are right <laughs> that aren't even theologically. Mm-hmm. And it ends up harming people and allowing us all to experience a level of destruction. And so when the spirit enters and brings light and life into that space, we say different things. And so when we look at, you know, even right now, when we look at the church and the things that are dividing us, when we look at why we're about to have this massive theological split. Mm-hmm. What if I'm not right? That there are certain people that should be excluded from the gospel and excluded from ordination. What if the rushing of the spirit says we need a different language and a way to talk about this and consider this? What if I'm not right that there is that there are racist races of people that are more superior than others? What if what is actually right is we need a new language that allows us to hear each other as friends and neighbors that coexist? all of whom have divinity residing within us. Mm-hmm. What if what is true is that when we look back over history and the things that we allowed and the way we allowed the lynching of this innocent man that we call Jesus, what if what is true is We were wrong. Not that it didn't have to happen because it did, right? Um, According to this grand plan. But what if our right thinking, our right theology, our right way is not right? (laughs) And what if the spirit is trying to illuminate something else. And instead of fighting it, what if we listened to the sound of the spirit and felt the warmth of the tongues and put ourselves in a space of of receiving in ways that we may not have been open to? And then our response being, What must I do to be saved? Yeah. Yeah. That is. You are absolutely like that is. Yes. Right. And I think, and you you basically said this, I feel like I'm sure stating it, but like if the church was open to admitting that maybe they didn't always have it right and that they had gotten things wrong and that things or not always, they didn't have to justify. They could say, I'm sorry, we did harm. How do we do better? Let us do all the good we can now. 
in all the ways we, just we can, that, right? Yeah, right. In all the ways, yes. How much different could our witness be? Could our impact? Could the legacy of the church be if yeah. we were open? Is how many more people could feel God's love? Like if we didn't always start on this moral high horse of defending what we did and why it was the thing. And instead we're open to the spirit speaking in a new language and moving in a new direction. Because the truth is when, when Jesus steps on the scene, right. And, 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 and challenges the religious leaders um, of the day, it was always religious leaders, the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, the people of the law, law and religion, right. When, when these, when his words challenge just people, it's not that these are bad people. I think that sometimes the Pharisees, Sadducees get a bad rap, right? I think that they are some of, you know, good people, quote, <laughs> that are trying to um, do things correctly. This is what is written. This is what it says. And perhaps having an internal struggle with what it says right here. This is what is written. And yet Jesus seems to be coming and speaking something that seems foreign. But Jesus says, you know, reminds us that it's not in the letter. It's in the spirit. It's the spirit that gives life. And here we are. As a church in 2021, still looking at the letter and ignoring the spirit that is trying to rush in like a mighty, roaring, violent wind to stir things up. We're trying vehemently to hold on to the letter because we want to get it, quote, right. And rightness has everything to do with the spirit and the heart, not the letter. And so it's always fascinating to me that the very things that were an issue then are still an issue. It's like, do we not have eyes to see? Okay. Yeah. 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 I you look like you have something you, you might want to say, so I don't want to cut you off if you do. Oh no, 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 go ahead. This is my, my mind is forever, forever <laughs> spinning. Just spinning. I was well, I was thinking about the fact that I grew up a Baptist girl, um, in a denomination where women were not allowed to be pastors, to be in a pulpit, you know, none of that. And some of the things that I think now, some of the things that I allowed myself to be open to thinking that I was wrong and yet walking through it by faith Mm -hmm. allowed the spirit to work in me in creative ways so that the things that I once thought I think no more, all things became new and my mind shifted, right? And when Mm -hmm. my mind and my heart shifted, my reality shifted. And so now I engage other people in different ways, in ways that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, I would have said, that is absolutely wrong and blasphemous. <laughs> that is not according to the letter. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I grew up in a like a non-denominational, like evangelical mm-hmm. kind of standalone thing. And yeah, women 
don't, yeah, not ordained, yeah. not very, very Baptist, mm-hmm. Pentecostal in uh-huh. certain aspects. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, speaking in tongues, playing in the spirit, that kind of thing. Yeah. But also like. Yeah, I've experienced that, all of that. I went from Baptist to a Pente- more Pentecostal tradition, you know, women be silent, you know, all the things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting shift from that to Methodism and then kind of the mental journey of absolutely mm-hmm. like, and I think one thing that, and you kind of made this point as well, but I don't think everyone realizes is that a lot of times the people who transition and some of the things are people who like I read the Bible and that was what led me to like these convictions about women should be able to speak and we should be caring about these issues and blah 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 blah. It wasn't that I, you know, a lot of times it was said in those spaces is you know, God said the Bible said. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but what what is how is God moving in that today? How is God moving right. in, like what God can still speak. Like God didn't stop speaking when we hit the end of Revelation. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 to be fair, I think it can be scary though. You know, for a, for a person to leave what they've been taught is right, mm-hmm. and to launch out into the deep and not know what's in the depths of this water can be a scary endeavor. And it's easier to sort of stay on shallow ground and stay with what I know, because again, there's this sort of um, fear of getting it wrong because, you know, Sarah being, you know, having had that Pentecostal background, what awaits many people is this, you know, eternal hellfire that we're afraid of. Like, what? Like, Mm -hmm. forever and always. And so people feel like they need to get it right. And so the beauty, I think, of of Methodism and our tradition is this abundant, overflowing grace that meets us that sanctifies Mm -hmm. us, you know, that brings us to a perfection that we may not actually reach for real on this side, that justifies us, that calls us forth before we're looking for it. And so it's also interesting to me that being people of deep grace, that some of us are the same people that won't extend it Mm -hmm. Um, and don't really believe that God is that filled with love and light and of grace, that there is nothing, neither height nor width, nothing that can separate us from God's love. Nothing. What can separate? Nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and I definitely not bashing on people of other faith traditions once they right. I have no, no, no. family and I friends. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I'm here for everyone's journey. Yes. Wherever that. And and the, the, it's been an important part of my journey and probably yours too and transforming. And it doesn't mean that there weren't, I can't name because I I can name. There were some painful parts to it Mm -hmm. that I'm grateful um, not to have those pain points in the same way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, let's hit a quick pause on this. We're going to have a little break for y'all, and we'll All be right. back for the second half of this. I'm so excited to keep having this conversation because it's just so good. <laughs> 
addition to these Wesley Union Liturgical Year podcasts, we also have a Liturgical Reflections blog series where different members of the Studio Wesley community share their thoughts on different liturgical days and seasons. To read some of these reflections, visit www.studiowesley.org blogs liturgical reflections. All right, everyone, we are back with the second half of this Pentecost episode. Um, we sort of already talked about like the reason and the story behind Pentecost and different scriptures that are connected to it. But I really want to know, and I think we have touched on this a little bit, but I really want to dive into this the final question I usually ask, which is how does Pentecost carry us and center us in the overarching story of scripture and the work of the church? Uh, question, I know, but like, good question, Sarah. Okay, how does it carry us, center us into the overarching story? Pentecost reminds me that the story is not over, that the spirit is yet at work, that the spirit is still co creating with us a better future a hope for a future that we may not be able to imagine right now, right? As we are going through um, divides in our country and in the world against religious lines, political lines, Pentecost reminds us that in this grand narrative, if we are open, we can hear in our own language, we can learn a new language. We can learn to speak in ways that others will hear us. We can um, embrace new ideologies and perspectives that things are not static. They are ever moving. Because when I tie that to the whole rhythm of life, you know, we talked about the liturgical calendar. It, there's not a beginning and an end, right? There's an ebb and a flow and it keeps going. It's, it's the um, already and the not yet. That's how we think of so many things. It's the already and the not yet. We um, are dying daily as we have not died yet, right? We um, are experiencing resurrection on a regular basis as we will be resurrected. Then in the in-between spaces, there's that ordinary time, that green, right? That just seems like nothing is happening because it's ordinary, but the work of the spirit is still present because that sanctifying grace is swirling around in us. It reminds me that when we embrace the fullness of our humanity and allow it to intersect with the fullness of our divinity, that magnificent things happen. And it helps us to, to be brought back to the center, I think, because I can always say, you know, let me look for the wind. How is that wind rushing through right now? How is it trying to grab hold of me? Where is the tongue of fire that's trying to rest on me in a way that not consumes but empowers. How can I be bold in a way that I did not expect? How can I respond to the move of the spirit differently than I responded before? 
not out of 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 shame of my past or out of guilt, but of the knowledge that I am ever becoming and growth and becoming is a part of living, right? Anything that doesn't grow is already dead. But part of growing and life is transformational. I'm looking outside, I'm looking at these green trees. Um, It's not sunny, it's actually cloudy, you can't tell, but there's a season where these trees are not gonna have leaves. They're not gonna have flowers. It doesn't mean that nothing is happening right on the inside. It means that things are seasonal. So yeah, I'm all over the place with that answer. But I think that ultimately it reminds me that it's not over. The spirit is yet at work and the spirit will continue to be at work in me, in you, in we, in our churches, the big C, even when the buildings are completely gone, even when we're shut out and locked out because of a pandemic and got to wear masks and do things differently, the spirit is still at work. Even when we can't be physically all together in one place in the room, it may look like Zoom. It may look like you're in your city, I'm in mine, but we're all in one place in the spirit with one accord. Great things are happening. Our language can change. And it will change. It must change. And as you were making that point about the ebb and the flow and the seasons and everything, I got this, this imagery of t- this morning when I went out to like get in my car and like drive to our office, like there was rain and there was like water on the ground and there were like dead leaves underneath my tire. And then there were these bright green trees. And I was like, <laughs> we are in so many moments of the water cycle of the like cycle of creation. Yes. Of all of these things. And the way it's just, I don't know, it's really fit with what you were saying. This mm-hmm. analogy of the now, the past, the present, it's all future. It's all connected in this, mm-hmm. this moment. And it's held together in the divine and the humanness of it all. And it's, it's, it's amazing because the truth is, right, that we exist in the midst of a divine that exists outside of time. And we try to confine ourselves to it because that's the only thing we know, right? It, it, it's linear for us, but outside of time, you know, beginning, middle, end, it, it, it's all together in ways that we cannot begin to think or imagine. That's why I love this idea of infinity, back to math, <laughs> of the infinite, um, because it keeps going and going and going forward and backwards, negative or positive, up or down. It goes and goes and goes. We cannot imagine that. We cannot imagine that, you know, scientifically, nothing, energy is not created or destroyed. It comes in in different cycles, in different forms, right? It's mind-blowing. And so if that is true of creation, you know, we try to make these distinctions. I'll go, I'll, I'll, let me stop. I'll go somewhere else. But when we try to make these distinctions between math and theology and science, sometimes we miss the connection 
that is trying to happen in the center to bring us back into the center that all of this stuff is connected. And the issue is we try to live as disjointed creatures Mm-hmm. rather than understanding that all of the universe is created and held together, as you say. And Pentecost, absolutely. I believe, reminds us. Yeah, absolutely. I think, speaking to your distinctions, I think a lot of times the church especially tries to create these sacred and secular divides. Mm-hmm. And like, how different is it if we see it all as sacred and meaningful and like it's beautiful and filled with the spirit? Yeah, like how It's all is sacred. Yes. And, and, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the lesson to me of Jesus, right? We talk about Jesus as fully human and fully divine. Um, and I think all of it is sacred. And for me, the greatest lesson is accepting, embracing that I am fully human. I am fully divine. And all of me is sacred and still exists at, as one in this mysterious kind of way that I may not be able to separate because it's a constant interaction. Um, that is happening. Well, I'm going to let it end there because that just felt like a very good way to wrap it up. And I am so, so grateful for you talking to us today and sharing your wisdom and perspective and giving of your time. And yes, I'm just so, so grateful for you and for this conversation. Thank you, Sarah. And I'm so grateful that someone would listen. (laughs) Musings as I think through life and Pentecost. So thank you. You're so welcome. All right, friends. Well, thank you for listening. Um, and we will be back in a couple days with another episode because it's a busy little season for the liturgical calendar. We're actually going to talk about Aldersgate Day, which is not technically a part of the liturgical calendar, but it is significant to Methodism, and so we're going to talk about it. So stay tuned. It's good stuff. Okay. <laughs> thank you for listening to today's episode of wesley union we hope you enjoyed it we would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker as well as our production team troy argon buchanan sarah taylor and derek scott the third my name is allison corwin and thank you for listening to wesley union a studio wesley offering powered by campus to city wesley